Awesome. Well, isn't it wonderful to be together for Resurrection Sunday? Um, and man, it just it's, it's really exciting to see a full building, I have to say. We could have, like, I'm sorry if it's a little uncomfortable uh, for those who are, who are squished in down the back, but it is wonderful to have you in, in the service with us today. Um, and we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating his presence. I was this morning. I was just just thought of that. It's it's a small thing in, in the in the whole narrative, but it's a significant thing that the the temple curtain was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross. the The old covenant was broken. And the new covenant was ushered in. The presence of God that was inaccessible at that time became accessible to everyone. He he went out, he got out of the box, <laughs> so to speak, and he has made himself available to to all mankind. And today, I want to just, if there's anyone in this room who just thinks you're just too far from God, I want to tell you today that you're not. That he is the God who is out of the box, any box that you have ever put him in. He is beyond limits. He is beyond imagination. And he is for you. He is good. He is good. I want to start with a, with a story here this morning. A little bit of history I've got for you today, actually, in, in uh, Vela de Lid. That's how you say it. Vela de Lid, Spain where Christopher Columbus died in 1506. There stands a monument commemorating the great discoverer. And uh, one of the most interesting features in this memorial is a statue of a lion destroying one of the Latin words that had been part of Spain's motto for centuries. And um, before Christopher had made his uh, voyages, the Spaniards thought that they had reached the outer limits of earth. And their motto was ne plus ultra, which means no more beyond. And the word torn away from the lion is ne or no, to make it read plus ultra. So Columbus had proven that there was more beyond their current known world, that the old maps, the old limits, the um, everything that had gone on in history where it said the boundary is here, that was all in need of a major update. <laughs> and today we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that death in itself has been swallowed up in victory. That the limits even of our human life, that we, are all, we all have an expiry date, but in fact that Jesus has made a way that whoever believes in Him, as the Scriptures says, you know, shall not die but have everlasting life. Uh, today I just want to share a, a part of the story um, before the cross, and then we're going to finish with um, some scripture beyond the cross as well. But I just felt drawn to this scripture as I was preparing the word this week. And, and the context is that Jesus is he's beginning to comfort and talk to his disciples before he went to the cross. And he said these words um, 
in actually no i'm going to just jump to this scripture first from john 12 this is still he's still doing this all right and he says very very truly i tell you whoever believes in me will do the works i have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because i am going to the father jesus is redefining the limitations um he's redrawing the map for followers of him he's revealing to us that we have the same grace and the same access to heaven's resources that he had to do what he has done and not only that he takes it up a level and he says that you will do even greater things Man, all things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible. Do you believe that you could see yourself doing greater things than Jesus did? I don't know, right? <laughs> but all things are possible. And I want to just lay it out there today that maybe our gospel has got too small. That there is... There's something beyond the limits that we've put around our own lives, around our own thoughts and around our own concepts of, of, you know, I could never do that. Someone else could do that. Someone, you know, flamboyant, somebody extroverted, somebody who's good with a microphone, somebody else, but not me. But Jesus is talking to his followers and he was saying to you that you'll do even greater works than these in Matthew chapter 16 this is when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he had just said to 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 his guys he said hey hey do you who do you say I am and, and um, Peter he's having a golden moment and he and he says you are the Messiah you are the son of the living God and and Jesus is like well Peter you you you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so Peter, he is feeling like the man. He got the first question right. And then like as a bonus, he got, he was told that he was going to be the founding father of the church of Jesus Christ. And, and then it goes into verse 21 and it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. You know, this passage starts with from that time on. And in this space, Jesus is beginning to bring the disciples in to, to what lies ahead for them as a team, for him. To, he was talking about his death and his resurrection that he would suffer at the hands of the elders the priests and the teachers of the law that is the religious leaders who knew the torah you know many probably off by heart those who knew the word of god more deeply than anyone else in the world these guys were going to be the ones that would take his life the son of god's life they understood the creation narrative they understood the the exodus story that 
the face-to-face encounters that Moses had with God, they, David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, they, they even knew the prophecies regarding the promised Messiah. These were the people who were responsible to treasure the Word of God, to treasure the presence of God, but they had become rigid, full of pride. And Jesus said, I think he'd already called them whitewashed tombs. They were looking fresh on the outside, but man, they were dead on the inside. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 says this, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, and the elders, the the, the, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, they knew the scriptures back to back, but they had no connection. They'd lost their connection with the author. Their version of the gospel had got too small. And I just want to, you know, I want to give the word of God a shout out right now at this point, because, man, it is so important that we grow in, in knowledge and understanding in the word. And if you have that and you're passionate about the word of God, that is a, a great thing where it's one of the responses as, as followers of Christ is to, is to get into the word of God and to pursue the word of God. But, you know, the teachers, the priests, the religious leaders of the day, you know, they, 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 were, they were driven by something else. They were driven, they weren't driven by the love of God. And if we're driven, you know, in anything we do by the pursuit of influence, the need to be right, religious duty, and not first centered in the love of God, our gospel has got too small. And, and our voice ultimately will equal that of a clanging gong. You know, you heard of that scripture from 1 Corinthians 13? <laughs> Perhaps this is a day for us to return to our first love, for someone here today, to that first place of intimacy and the love of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 16, this narrative continue remembering that Jesus had said he would he would face death and and Peter who had just been told he was gonna you know be the the founding father of the church and and Peter's there what the heck and and he took Jesus he took him aside in verse 22 and began to rebuke him and he said never Lord never he said this shall never happen to you and then Jesus turned back to Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind um, in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And Peter is on a roller coaster today. <laughs> and, and, and suddenly all that Peter can see is the end. The end of the journey. Jesus, What, Jesus, you're going to die this is, this is the end of his familiar. This is the end of what has been normal for his life for the last three years. This is the end of his security, the end of his passport to significance. That, you know, wasn't he going to be the rock and suddenly Jesus is going to die? And this is the end of his friend and, and, his, and his leader. And, and, and what? You mean, Jesus, you're not going to walk into Rome and, and, and to Wellington and then call down fire on the politicians and, and you know, end the whole thing? What, Jesus? <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. That was <laughs> definitely the Holy Spirit. 
And all, all Peter is confronted by is his impending doom. And there is no expectation for what Jesus has also been talking about, the resurrection. See, he'd been talking with his boys about his death and the resurrection. And that's why Jesus said, hey, Peter, get behind me, Satan. There's something you're missing here. You've, if I don't go to the cross, there can be no resurrection. Because Jesus had seen the resurrection. He had seen the other side. He had seen beyond this moment. And in Hebrews 12, it says, for, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus could see beyond this moment. And then, and then I know this is just getting tougher for everyone in the room. I'm sorry, but Matthew 16, 24, he said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So it's just, Jesus doesn't only confront the disciples with the sacrifice that he is about to make, but he says, hey, you want to follow me to the other side of resurrection, life? You're going to be a part of this. You're going to take up your cross, your cross and, and follow me. See, the cross is deeply personal to us individually. It's deeply personal to the, the spiritual grid that we have in our own lives and the way that we look at everything that has been given to us, everything that flows through us. The cross is this gateway for life. And Jesus went on to say in this passage, in fact, if you want to save your life, you have to first lose it. And, and he's, he's, he's speaking to us. He was speaking to us, you know, 2,000 years later that it's not just about Jesus going to the cross. It's about us living a life through the cross, taking our part in the cross Losing our life in the cross. You know, the year is, you know, 2022 AD. Um, time itself is orientated around the life of Jesus. I mean, that's phenomenal in itself. You know, but we all have a personal BC, um, a before Christ date. I was 13 years old. I lived 13 years before Christ. And then when I was 13, Jesus touched my life. His amazing grace began to open my heart to his incredible love. And eventually, when I started actually listening to him, um, <laughs> by the age of 21, he um, began to show me that this pathway to freedom is always about surrender. To surrender my life to him to not only receive him as my savior but to surrender my life meant to say you're number one you are number one you know and we're all building some kind of life here we've all got some kind of aspiration for our future and that you know i'm just like we all need hope we all need to be moving forward but 
You know, I want to say today, whatever we've based our lives on, whatever we've been trying to build that has not been first surrendered to Christ, you know, that will always be under threat. It's in a place of BC. It's currently unredeemed. And this could be finances, this could be relationships, this could be identity, this could be something in your past, this could be fear in itself. And the cross beckons to those BC parts of our lives. Jesus is just saying, won't you just surrender that to me? Because at the end of this life, at the end when this tent that I've got, you know, is going to fade away, it's all going to crumble. And I want to make sure that I've given everything I had, every opportunity I have to Jesus to let it go. Because he who says, he, he who will find life, find life must lose it. And the opposite is true. He who tries to pursue life will just lose it. It's an upside down kingdom. You know, this week I've just been sitting on a word of knowledge and I've just been, it's just kind of not pretty, but I just, I want to share it this morning um, because I I haven't been able to shake it. So I feel like I'm going to be disobedient if I don't. Um, I just, I just felt for someone, this is going to be for one person here today. And I, and the word is bitterness. And you've, you could look at your parents and look at your family line and you could just easily say, man, there's bitterness in my family line. And, and as a, you don't want to be like your parents, but you find yourself being like your parents as you grow and, and you're feeling drawn into similar attitudes and going around the mountain in the same way. Because I just had this word, there's a, like a generational spirit that just needs to be broken off your life. It's not something that you've earned or deserve in any way, but that's the kind of thing that Jesus died on the cross for, and He wants to break bitterness off your life. He wants you to walk in freedom, and today is a good day to surrender everything to Him. And if you feel stuck in this moment, He wants to just extend that grace to you right now. I just want to pray for you. How about we just all just pray for whoever that is in this moment. Jesus, right now, we just thank you that you didn't release bitterness on the cross, but you released joy. You released a new spirit, God, for us to receive at the cross. And so right now, we just take authority over every generational spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness, and we break that in Jesus' name. We break the echoes of the past, the memories of families and fathers and mothers that have have carried this We put the bloodline of Jesus Christ right now between them and the cross, between them and their ancestors, sorry, between you and your father, between you and your mother. We place the blood of Jesus today and we just release that sweet spirit over your life. We declare that you would know the sweetness of Jesus Christ, that when you have the opportunity to to hold on to something, that it would bounce right off you because bitterness is not normal. Bitterness is not natural Christian living, and don't tolerate it anymore. And if you want to talk about that with someone, I really encourage you to talk to a life group leader or pastor or something, or someone, not something. (laughs) Uh, Because we've been, you know, 1 Peter says that we have been bought by the blood. 
you know, we are we we can have he can have ownership of everything in our lives. So today is a good day, isn't it, to give him full ownership? In the moments as Jesus was stretched out on the cross and, and crucified, it would have seemed impossible that his influence would last the day. Then as Roman soldiers took his lifeless body down off the cross, the odds were stacked against Jesus becoming a world changer and launching the most influential movement in history. <laughs> you know, if you're in Rome and you visit the Colosseum, you'll notice an arch that has battle scenes carved into it. And this is the triumphal arch of Constantine. It was built in the year 312, and this was to praise Constantine's victory against the rival for the throne in the Battle of the Milvian Bridge. And historians actually mark this battle as the beginning of Constantine's conversion into Christianity. But at that time, most um, Christians didn't believe that Constantine was a sincere follower of Christ for, um, for during a time of his reign as well. He, he functioned as a high priest of Roman gods, and he put his son to death at the um, wishes of his wife. Uh, just needed to, yeah, it's pretty, not really the hallmarks of a following, you know, following Jesus, but he was on a, he was on a journey, right? Um, and he set apart, he began, he, he, the next thing he did is he set apart Sundays as a day of rest and worship, Christian worship. And then most significantly, he began to forbid uh, some types of Roman worship and sacrifice. He removed the idols of pagan gods from temples and put them in public parks. And the message was really clear that the old gods were nothing more than decorations and didn't deserve honor. Um, at the end of his life, Constantine was baptized as a Christian. So the big irony in here in regards to the gospel is that after 400 years, almost 400 years since the Roman Empire had killed Jesus on a Roman cross <laughs> and began to unleash waves of persecution and martyrdom to the church in one generation, Christianity went from being an enemy of the state to an arm of the state and the official religion of the Roman Empire. It is amazing. And it's not, it's not really a happy ever after story for the church in the context of the Roman Catholic Church as, you know, the empire mindset and the political mindset can be a toxic mix in the context of church. But whether we like it or not, this is a part of our church history. Because the death and resurrection, man, that outlasts empires. That's my God. That's my Jesus. Who would have thought, you know, at the time he was crucified, where Rome was so powerful, that a dead man taken off the cross would rise to life, and three days later he would, he would defeat, he would put to sleep the Roman Empire. It's powerful. So we're just going to jump to the other side of the cross here from Mark 16. In verse 16, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that may, they might come and anoint him. That's Jesus. And the very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb where the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? 
and looking up, they noticed that the stone had been rolled away, for it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting um, at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. But he said to them, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See, he is uh, the place where, um, here is the place where they laid him. That's awesome. An empty tomb. These women going to preserve Jesus' body. You know, um, I don't know about you, but um, I've seen some pretty weird things in preserving jars and museums. Animals, eyeballs, spiders. My mum used to have a preserving day. And it was just produce. It wasn't anything weird. You know, I don't know. That was what happened back in the day. And there's kind of like this fruit and berry explosion and pots boiling and steam rising. And it'd be like, I'm staying out of this place. And everything would become preserved, locked in its current state. And so when these three women went to Jesus to hide the smell of death, to preserve his dead body for as long as possible, they discovered that Jesus isn't just a memory to be preserved. <laughs> Jesus can't be just be placed on the shelf as another historical figure. And in his last breath, you know, he didn't cry out, I am finished. He cried out, it is finished. You know, Jesus on the cross, he has done everything we need to enter into this life of fullness and freedom into the kingdom of heaven. He's given us salvation. Eternal life was found at the cross. I love Ephesians 3, verse 20. He says, hey, dream, think about immeasurably more. He's got this in his heart, hidden for us, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are the result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that lives in you. You know, in the Gospel of John, Jesus meets the disciples for the first time after his resurrection, and he says, peace be with you. He actually says, peace be with you twice, and it has an exclamation mark. So I'm like, that's a loud peace, right? Peace be with you. <laughs> and he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the breath of life. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Today, he's commissioning his church again. He's commissioning, recommissioning your faith even 
again today? Has your gospel got too small? Has the gospel got too small? Because Jesus says that you will do greater works. Let's just stand together in this moment. And I just wonder right now, we just open our hearts to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. Because I just believe there's a fresh touch today. There's a fresh, a fresh breath from heaven today. You know, resurrection means there is way more beyond. Way more beyond. He wants to bring freedom today. If you're stuck in your past today, just right now, just open your hands, open your hearts to freedom. Just maybe just right now, just let me pray over you. Just lift your hands right now in this moment. Just lift your hands to receive freedom today. Jesus, I just declare that you are freedom today. You are our freedom today. You are our love today. If you need a fresh touch from the love of the Father, Jesus is the gateway to the cross. Just call on the name of Jesus today. Jesus, call on the name of Jesus today. Jesus, Jesus, we need you. We need you, Jesus. If you're today, here today and you just need forgiveness, you've come today and you've just re- you've been confronted with your, your own brokenness. He, was, he gives healing. He gives forgiveness today. As you bring your brokenness, as you bring your sin to the cross in, the, in this moment, He receives you. And He separates that sin as far as the east is from the west. And He remembers it no more. And He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I just pronounce, you are forgiven today. You are forgiven today. Thank you, Jesus. I love what Billy Graham said. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. And if you're here today and you just know you're doing life without God and you want to do life with God, I want to give you an opportunity right now in this moment. Just so if everyone just close your eyes right now. This is just between you and God and you're here today and you're like, man, I've been doing, I'm feeling like my life is pointless and I want to rediscover my purpose or I want to discover my purpose for the first time and that first purpose for your life is to be a worshiper of God is to put Him first, is to surrender your life into His hands, to allow your life to pass through the cross, the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, it's good news for you today because it is a free gift. It is by grace that you are saved. You don't have to earn this. It's not from yourselves. It's by faith. You just need to take a step of faith today. So just now in this moment with every eye closed and head bowed, if there's anyone today who wants to just give their life to Christ, I just want to ask you to raise your hand nice and high and just say, yes, Glenn, that's me. 
I want to give my life to Christ today. Is there anyone here today? Just raise your hand nice and high just so I can see if that's you today. Awesome. I see that hand. It's so good, man. It's so good. Is there anyone here else here today who wants to surrender their life to Christ today? This is a one-time offer only, limited. Space is available. No, not really. <laughs> you can give to your life to Christ at any moment, but now, let now be the day of salvation. Let now be the day of your salvation. Come on, I just have a sense of somebody else here today that just needs to fully surrender their mind. You're having a battle in your mind right now and there's, there's something for you to surrender in your mind and just receive Christ in your heart. I'll just give you a few more moments. Thank you, Jesus. Just raise your hand straight up, nice and high so I can see it, then I'll leave you alone. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray together, church. Let's just pray. We're going we're gonna to pray for this awesome guy who's given his heart to Jesus today. And then we're going to just pray for our community. So if you can just repeat this after me. This is about heart. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender who I am, as is, where is, to you. And I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your freedom. I want to follow you. Help me today. And Jesus, we just, this is Debbie was sharing that word about dry bones. I was just so struck with the fact that I was like, there were people. There were people who were dead on the ground. And so I just want to finish this with just declaring salvation today over our community, over our family members. Jesus, we just say live community live neighbors live family members live we release that breath of heaven the breath of life over our streets and our families over our friends and our neighbors over the lost and the lonely we release the spirit of jesus christ of resurrection life god we just say yes we want to be the sent ones god help us to see ourselves as those who are sent in this hour and we bless our region. We bless our town. We bless our council. We bless our police. We bless our high schools, our primary schools. We bless teachers, God. We just thank you, Father, that you have a plan for Rangiora, for North Canterbury and Canterbury. That plan is to prosper it and to not harm it, to give it a hope and a future. And we just say, let it be in Jesus' name.